Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. You know, we talked last week about Jesus is the vine and we're the branches and grafted into him. I hope that you have the picture that your Christianity is not you're trying to figure out how to get to God, but that he literally is this vine, this source of life that we are engrafted into. And that's our life. That's our hope. That's our peace. That's our source of transformation. That's our source of provision. That's everything that we need. And, and I hope, that's my hope, is that this environment, you know, this nice, peaceful, safe environment that we have here that's always going to be encouraging, that you take advantage of that. You take advantage of the time of worship to see yourself and your roots growing deep into that vine. You know, your, your roots growing deep into Christ who is in you. And, and that, that's, that's where the life is. The life is not... I'm out here and I've got to go try to find God and get him to come into my life. It's no, he's in me. I'm going to grow my roots deep into him. And I'm going to let him live and through me and transform me and change me and all the stuff that I think i got to do. I'm going to turn around and look and say, oh my goodness, there it is. I was talking to somebody this week and they were, they were just saying how they have struggled with fear their entire lives. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever struggled with fear? And you know, the only cure for fear is love. Once you're convinced of his love for you, you just, you're just not afraid anymore, you know? And, and once you conquer that fear of death, because you know that Jesus has conquered death for you, I mean, what is there to be afraid of? Just nothing, you know? There's nothing to be afraid of because he's in you. And that, that just has to be our reality. Amen? Amen. Dean! I feel like y'all been gone forever. I'm just jumping right in today. Y'all all right with that? Yeah. We went to Bridging the Gap yesterday. That was cool. Um, we actually had to turn some people away. We've got more people. We can only bring about eight or ten people each time we go. So if that's something you're wanting to do, make sure you get with um, Adam, and he'll keep everybody kind of updated on the schedule and when we're going. But if you ever just want to go, you can always, what is the, is it BTG? Community. Do you know what it is? I don't. I, f- I feel like I'm booming, echoing, maybe a little too much bass on me. I think it's BTG Community, but we'll, we'll send out an email and make sure everybody knows. But if this is something that you ever want to do, um, make sure you sign up first because the room is not large enough to just facilitate a whole bunch of us showing up. Um, you know, we, They ask for everybody to sign up and do it strategically, but there will be specific days that we take a group down there, but it's still, there still needs to be a sign-up, so... But we got to preach the gospel. I took a box of um, Devil Walk books down there and, and gave them away. There's like, I think we ended up give, being able to give like 40 books away. So that was cool. And a lot of them were taking two and three because they were like, I got somebody who needs to read this book. So, you know, just in, the, in, the, in an area like that, unfortunately, substance abuse can be an issue. And that's what I touch on and talk about the enemy and how he is not to be feared. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm just going to keep going here. Who, who wants to talk about heaven? Want to talk about heaven? Heaven is for real. 
Yeah, have y'all seen that? Read the book, Heaven is for Real? Yep. You like those stories? I love those. I'm a sucker for those. I died and saw something stories, you know? <laughs> I mean, even, even, the, even the dark ones, even where it's like they saw hell and all that stuff. But it's, there's just something in us that, that is just drawn to that, right? I mean, we just, it's like you start hearing those stories and, you, you know, we just perk up. I mean, even the, even the lost, even, even people that are professed atheists, they still gravitate towards those kind of stories, you know. They, I read an article. There's a musician, Christian musician. I can tell I had coffee because I'm all over the place today. <laughs> Y'all just strap it on. Here we go. <laughs> but it's this guy who actually is a Christian musician, but he's kind of crossed over. You know, not all his music is specifically Christian. And there was a review on an atheist website, I mean, specific atheist website, and the guy had written a review of the CD. And he said he just loved it for the musicality, but then, and I, I, you know, I commend this guy because he said that secretly when he first got this CD, he would drive out to a field where nobody would be around him and play that CD in his car and get out and worship. Yeah, the ones that <laughs> the ones that profess the loudest, they're struggling. Those are the easiest ones to push over. We'll just give them a little bit of love of God, because usually people know better. You know, I mean, Romans tells us that everybody, nobody has an excuse. Everybody knows. It's just how much effort are they putting toward believing something else, other than what God would be speaking to them about truth, you know? I mean, that, that's really the secret that Jesus gave us. And talking about last week in Mark 4, the secret, the mystery of the kingdom is not something, information or some secret knowledge that you've got to figure out and try to understand the mysteries of the kingdom and how does this work and what are the seven spirits and who are the elders and how do I get the dimensions working for me? And it's like, you know what? If you wanted to learn that, you know, more power to you, but don't let it distract you from Jesus, right? Because eventually you'll get to that place and see everything completely revealed for what it is. And it's like, oh, why was I distracted on that? Look at Jesus, you know. Everybody's going to be huddled around his feet. So the secret is not that we got to figure out some kind of hidden knowledge. Because God's not trying to keep it from us. The secret is the kingdom is within and the condition of our heart, the focus of our heart determines the degree of that kingdom that is within us that we're going to experience. Because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is not a place that's over there, right? Now, he did say, I go to prepare a place for you. But heaven really more is the domain of God. It's the extension of his kingdom, which we're in right now. We've been translated into that kingdom. We literally are citizens of heaven. And wherever that place is, wherever God's eternal throne is, the, the, the extent of his dominion comes to where we are, and we are a part of that realm, that dimension, if you will, so to speak. So, Heaven is not, it's over there, I've got to close my eyes and be mystical enough and vibrate the right way or, you know, whatever, and then I'm going to go experience something. No, you're in it now. You know, one of my favorite illustrations about it is, you know, we, we live in 
three dimensions. You can go forward and backward, you can go left and right, and you can go up and down. Really non-mystical way to understand dimensions. You can move any of those three directions and you put those three together and it creates this 3D realm that we live in, three-dimensional perspective. Then Einstein says gravity is like a fourth dimension. But this is kind of technical, but he says gravity only moves in one direction. You know, time, or not gravity, time. <laughs> Getting my physics mixed up. So time is like a fourth dimension. But if you think about it, how do you move in time? I mean, it just, it just keeps going, right? It's that dimension. It's a fourth dimension that we are in, but it's not necessarily that we, okay, I'm going to move in time to my right, or I'm going to move in time to my left. Anywhere you move, you're moving in time, right? You're, you are locked in time right now because you've got this physical body. You can't get away from it. It's all around you, and it keeps going. No matter how bad you want it to slow down, just look in the mirror, and you will see the effects of time, right? Well, I like to think about the kingdom the same way. It's just that dimension that we are within. It's all around us, but it's spiritual in nature. So where, where you know, I don't know that we can define what time is, but it's something that we're in and is around us, right? You don't, you don't try to go find out, I'm going to go over and operate in time over there. Or I'm going to operate in time over here, right? It's all around you. That's how heaven is. Heaven is all around us. We're in it. We're moving in it. In him, we're in it. And it is not a place out there that we have to go get into. <laughs> Everybody said, I think I understand. <laughs> but I hope that helps you. And, you know, we talk about that a lot in here. But the reason I want to talk about that is because of this secret that we talked about last week. And the secret, go through Mark 4. We got the message up if you want to go back and, and listen. But it's just that the kingdom is within you. And you can experience as much of it as you will allow yourself to in this life. All the promises are yes and amen. He's given us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's given us his spirit that dwells within us to remind us that we are his children and to tell us what he has given us. These are just all passages. And his grace is a constant steady supply of life within you to help you experience these promises. And the only way that we're not experiencing these promises is we're trying to in our own efforts or we're limited in the way that we're trying to connect to him or we think that there's a disconnect right? We think that, okay, I've, I'm lacking something in my life, so I've got to figure out how to get God to give that to me. That actually nullifies grace. It actually puts you in your own self-effort to try to get something that really is already yours. But it's yours in spirit. It's yours in kingdom, right? It's yours in heaven, so you have to know you're in heaven now. You're in that dimension, that kingdom of heaven now. I'm not saying that this is the kingdom now theology, right, where there's not a second coming and all that. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying as far as where we are, we are in that realm. We are connected to him. He's connected to us. And you're not going to be separated other than in your mind. And when you separate in your mind, it affects your heart. And you limit what God can do in your life. That's good news and bad news, right? What it does is it puts the power and the responsibility in your own hands, and it may rob your excuses from you. 
You know, your excuse of it's God's fault, it's their fault, it's the, no. You know, Robert Plant got it right. Nobody's fault but mine. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> awesome. God will use anything. Hey, trust me. I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know the scriptures. But when I first decided to try to believe that I wasn't dead and maybe I was alive and God could help me, I was listening to that Led Zeppelin song, Nobody's Fault But Mine. And I help, God helped me understand you're in this position because of the choices that you've made, but I'm here to help you. Right. Now, I'm not saying run out and buy your Led Zeppelin records if you're looking for <laughs> secret knowledge, but it's God will meet you where you are. <laughs> so faith, faith is a lot of things. We're saved by, or, or, or it's, it's applied in a lot of ways. We're saved by grace through faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. By faith, we understand. By faith, we access grace. And what we've really been talking about the last few weeks is faith is the substance. This is Hebrews 11. And then that word substance, we know, is the word proof or title deed or proof of ownership. Faith, the faith that we have toward God, the faith that we have that He is faithful, that He has made these promises, that He will remain true to you because you're his child and his spirit is constantly telling you you're my child and you're qualified for this because of what Jesus has done. That is the proof of what we're hoping for and the evidence of what we don't see. But see, we look at what we can't see (laughs) and to us, that's the evidence that we don't have it. I don't have that. See, it's not there. I've got proof. I don't see it. But no, faith sees with eyes that says, I'm looking at what is unseen. And what is unseen is I'm in this kingdom. I am a child of God. And there's not one promise that God is withholding from me because he loves me. I mean, it's, just, it's really just too simple. But obviously, we haven't <laughs> connected to the depth of the reality of that. And, and, and the inner working and outer working of that grace because we still live in lack in multiple areas. And we've been lied to by multiple sources that we don't have enough. We don't measure up. We've got to go here. We've got to go here, there. You know, there's, you've got to get under the right covering. You've got to, whatever it is, you know. Or maybe for you it's, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. But faith understands who you are, right? That's what faith should be used for, not to even try to get stuff, right? We talk about the promises a lot because he made them. But we shouldn't use our faith to try to get the promises. We should come into agreement that he's already given them to us. And then rest and trust. And resting is not resting. (laughs) Somebody posted a sign. But it's not inactivity either. And see, so then here's where the paradox comes in, is that Mark 4 says the condition of your heart, the measure that you meet, it will be measured back to you. So there is a particular cross-section of Christianity that is waking up to the fact that there actually is a new covenant. And praise God for that. But it, it kind of stops with understanding the legality of what Christ did on the cross. It's like, okay... I know he's not holding my sin against me. I know, I'm, I know that I'm 
perfect and holy and made righteous right now, even in this moment, because of the cross, I'm engrafted into this new covenant, and I'm perfect with God, and, and kind of stops there. And you know what? If, if you can just get to that place, praise God for that. But that doesn't really affect this life much until you open your heart and you begin to let yourself experience the ramifications of being in the new covenant. So yes, you need to learn the new covenant, but beyond that, we need to learn how to actually live within it, how to make choices, how to live by faith according to this incredible relationship that God has brought us into. And it has everything to do with the heart. And that is the mystery of the kingdom. That's the mystery of the kingdom. It's in you, but you're not going to experience it until you are engaged in relationship with him. And it's not that he's waiting until you do something to engage him. It's just that your heart, you know, he's placed this heart within you and, and, and is constantly flowing. And it's a matter of, am I going to let him flow? You know, if you translate that to just regular relationships or, or marriage, you know how it is. The degree of connection you have with your spouse yields particular kinds of fruits or it doesn't yield particular kinds of fruits, right? But it's a fruit of the relationship. It's a fruit of the intimacy. I'm trying to look around and see what ages we have in here. I think we're good. But <clears throat> I'll keep it PG. So, all right, so how does that have anything to do with heaven? See, God created us. <laughs> God created us with the capacity to look at the unseen. And then he says, that's how you live by faith. Don't look at what you see. Look at what you can't see, because what you can see is temporary, and what you can't see is eternal. And that's what faith does. It looks at what is unseen, but it doesn't look at it and make the judgment that it's not there. It just looks at it and makes the decision that it's there in spirit. And spirit is not separated. Spirit is not like in some weird form that I've got to figure out how to make it work for me. No, it's, it's more like a potential energy that is fully charged within us, and what activates it is faith. But the faith is not, I make it happen. It's in trusting that it works that way, right? I mean, we've, just, we've used our faith too long to try to get things to happen rather than using faith to understand that it just works, See, so once you use the faith to let the understanding come, then you'll stop hindering God from working in your life. And you didn't do anything to make it happen. You didn't learn any more information. You just actually began to trust God. Put your faith in the fact that he is alive and he is working and he is a constant stream of steady supply. So heaven then becomes more about this realm of potential, this realm of unlimited resource, this realm of wisdom that is constantly speaking to us and, and showing us where to go and teaching us how to minister to others and, and everything that we need. It's in Christ, which is in the domain of heaven, and heaven is not separate. It's this steady stream of provision. You know, in fact, you could go through and say heaven is everything that God has said his name is, right? That's your homework this week. I figured it out. <laughs> I make it up as I go. 
Find you a list of God's name and just go through his names. This is what heaven is. This is how heaven functions. This is how I function in heaven. And that is I believe on the name of God. And as I am yielding to the truth of who he is, it becomes active and alive in my life. That really is the secret. It's not complicated, but it's difficult because it takes away flesh effort, right? It takes away logic in regard to A plus B equals C, and it just skips the entire alphabet and says, you know, you're already at Z, so just rest. But you don't rest inactively in your heart. You're engaging God. That's the, that's the issue, really. That's the issue of Christianity is he's placed us in this new covenant, but now it's up to you. Where are you going to go with this relationship? With the measure you meet, it will be measured back to you. He who has, more will be given. He who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's, the, that's what we're in. That's this process that we're in right now. But it's not God standing there saying, I'm going to regulate who gets what. No, it's like, I'm a constant steady stream. Now it's up to you. How much are you going to let me work in your life? Are you going to limit me through worry and fear and deceit focused on lust of other things and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches? Are you going to... Are you going to constrict the source of provision by doing that? Or are you going to rest and let me operate in your life? And you all know it to be true. You know, you first got born again. It's like, man, stuff just happened, right? Prayers got answered. Was, you just saw, you know, you heard the birds singing and everything. <laughs> and then, depending on what kind of advice or what kind of church you went to, you learned a bunch of tricks, right? Not good tricks. I wonder where those tricks came from. So we are created with the capacity to look at the unseen. Now, I want to talk about one of the things that I like to do is kind of demystify spiritual language because spiritual truth is not necessarily mystical. Mystical has to do with there's an unknown aspect to it, and if I can understand how it works, then I can get it to work for me, and I can tap into some realm of mystery. It's not that. It's not that heaven is a mystery, but the mystery of heaven is that you're limiting it. <laughs> right? So heaven is spiritual, but not mystical. You don't have to figure out how to get it to work. It's working. Just stop limiting it. So the, the idea that I want to talk about today, you know, all that is kind of review and set up for this idea of what Jesus calls binding and loosing. Binding and loosing is not when you tie up the devil and throw him into the ocean. Now, <laughs> that has happened and, you know, metaphorically or prophetically, if you do something like that as a source of ministry towards someone, I get it. But, but it's not what he was talking about. The Hebrew perspective of binding and loosing was that once you had gone through all the proper training, then you had the keys and you could bind and loose on your own. And for the Hebrews, it initially, it basically just meant you could interpret scripture and create teaching for yourself. So each rabbi had a set of teachings that he had 
use the process of binding and loosing to interpret and apply scripture based on maybe regionally where they lived or who the people group was he was focusing on. So it's a very, it had nothing to do with even anything spiritual, just an interpretation factor. So here in Matthew 16, 15, one of the reasons I want to, I want to talk about this is, you know, get to, to show us, you know, the authority that we do have because it was about authority for the rabbi. He had to have the proper authority to interpret, to bind and loose. And for us, it does have spiritual implication, but not mystical implication. In other words, it's not a secret that we have to figure out how to get it to work. It's just spiritual, and I have to let it work. Do you see the difference? Okay. I mean, how many of you have chased church after church trying to figure out how to make it work? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so this is Matthew sixteen fifteen, And uh, this is Jesus is with the disciples, and they, they just had the conversation about um, Jesus asked them, who, who are they saying that I am? Who in the town are saying that I am? And they say, well, you know, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And Jesus says, that's right. I am that. And you can't figure that out on your own. God has revealed that to you. So verse uh, 16, uh, Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, revelation is not when God decides to give you new information. Revelation is when your heart is in a particular place that you then see an already existing reality. You believing it doesn't make it true. You getting to a place where you can see it is not when it becomes true. It's true. There are just certain truths about Christ for you that are there waiting for you to get the revelation to let it work in your life. So God is not your problem. It's, it's us. It's the way that we think. It's the way that we see things. That's why he said, repent, change the way that you think, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, <clears throat> 18, and I also say to you that you, Peter, are, uh, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, the rock that he's talking about I've heard it interpreted three ways, one of which that Peter is the rock that the church will be built upon, and there's an entire section of the world that thinks that Peter is what Christ built his church on. That is incorrect. What he's talking about, the rock that he will build upon, is that he's the Christ. But it could also be interpreted that the rock that Jesus, the foundation that Jesus will build his church on, in other words, how he attracts people to himself, how he grows you, because you're the church, right? Say, I'm the, I'm the church. This building is just a building. You don't have to say that part. but <laughs> Right? We're the church. So the way that he builds his church is revelation knowledge. So it could be applied that way as well. And again, that's not some mystical phenomenon. It's just that the way you actually grow is not sitting here listening to me run my mouth up here. 
I may give you things to think about, but what's really going to cause you to grow is what are you going to do with it in your heart? What are you going to let God teach you? Are you going to take anything away? Are you going to go home and think about these things? Are you going to pray and meditate and, 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 and take responsibility for your own heart, the condition of your life, the condition of your relationship with God and with people, the condition of the relationship with your kids, your financial status, you know, whatever it is, God will build you by speaking to you internally and revealing truth to you, revealing wisdom to you, revealing to you exactly what you need to grow. But unfortunately, the church has spent too much time feeling guilty and being condemned and trying to get God to work in our lives that we're totally distracted and looking in an opposite direction of what God is trying to reveal to us. <laughs> you know, it's like we learn things and we think, gosh, why didn't you tell me that sooner? Well, he tried to. You just couldn't see it. Is this too much responsibility for you? You know, it's not responsibility for you to make it true. It's your responsibility to believe him. That's the work. What do we do to work these works, Jesus? Believe. So, eighteen, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The gates of Hades has to do with an authoritative; it's a it's a thing of authority. In other words, the place that comes against God, the place that tries to rob the word from your life, the place that tries to separate you from God will be rendered ineffective because I'm the Christ. So that's all we're going to talk about there. Unfortunately, because Hades gets interjected in here, that gets applied to the next passage, and it really shouldn't. It says, And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whether you bind on earth uh, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I mean, you can see where that's been applied to demons, right? But it's just, not, it's just really not what he's talking about. He's talking about this process that I'm building my church through is based on the fact that I'm the Christ. I am the supreme one. I am the one who reigns. I am victorious even over the enemy's domain kind of a caveat in there. And then he goes back to, and so now I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So if you think function more than form, or if you think, you know, what's the application versus what's the understanding, it's that you have access. The keys mean you can go in. In fact, you own it. Usually if you have keys, you own it in one way or the other. Is yours. You are a joint heir with Jesus. So it's not that you've got to figure, okay. And so then we go to the seminars, right? What are the keys to the kingdom? Now I know the keys to the kingdom. It's giving a certain amount of money and it's praying the right kind of prayer. So I'm now I'm going to use that key and I'm going to go into the kingdom. No. You have the keys. The keys are you're a child of God. Now use them. Use them by opening the door of heaven and let him into your life. You don't need to figure out what a key is 
of how to get heaven to work in your life. Do you, you understand that? I mean, it's, it's really important that we aren't trying to seek methods to get heaven to work. It's, it's a big deal. Because what happens is, whether we use that terminology or not, we're all looking for keys. We're all looking for methods. We're all looking for something that we're missing. Where did I put those keys to heaven? Maybe let me pray. Oh, no, that didn't work. Let me, let, me, let me go witness. Let me beat. Let me do something. And then I'll figure out how to get into heaven. Let me read this out of the Amplified, <clears throat> verse 19. Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, and then it has in parentheses, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose or declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. I'll read it again. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind or declare lawful or unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose or declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. I love that. Because now, binding and loosing is not just a Hebraic perspective of I have the, the right to interpret Scripture or even read the Bible on my own, but it puts us in the place of, okay, now I'm the one with the keys in my hand, and I'm the one that is actually interacting with heaven. Jesus came and showed us how to do it, full of grace and truth. That's how you do it. Faith toward God, full of grace and truth. Use your faith to believe in what he's already done and grace will come alive and you will experience more than you ever tried to on your own. And that process is binding and loosing. But here's the thing. We've, we take these spiritual truths, right, and we make them external conscious methods, so I'm going to do binding and loosing. And now there is absolutely an aspect of binding and loosing that is your responsibility, and that's your tongue. We speak, we declare lawful. What is already lawful in heaven, all the promises are yes and amen. What God has for me is not being withheld from me because I am his child and I am before him accepted and seated in authority with Jesus, and I have everything that Jesus has. I am going to declare that and call that lawful in this earth. Now, does that then make God do it for you? No. It's, it's kind of like, this is how it's going to be, world. This is how it's going to be. It's true. I'm not looking at the fact that it's not here yet and making a judgment that I'm in lack. I'm looking at it and saying, oh, you hadn't gotten the memo yet, world. Let me tell you what the truth is. And because the kingdom works as a seed, it grows. And it gets kneaded into your life like that lump of dough. And it takes over your world. And you look around and you think, my God, how did life get so good? I didn't do anything. 
It's unfair. Well, it is. It's illogical and it's unbalanced and it's not fair because spirit is life. There's only one aspect to it, life. And how much of it are you going to let into your heart and change the way that you think and change the way that you expect the world to look for you? Because if you're not experiencing, how in the world are you going to carry it to someplace else and let them help them experience it? It's already true for them too, but you experience it gives them hope. Then when they have hope, man, you've got your locked arms. That's what, for me, that's what church is. It's like, let's, let's encourage. You don't, I'm not trying to impress you. You're not trying to impress me. We've decided to bond together. We're going to support what this thing is doing. God has given this place a message, and we are going to scream it as loudly as we can and be as effective as we possibly can. It's not about what's going on inwardly, per se. It's about where we're going. And we're kind of making that shift in that direction, you know, now. So, let me go back over here. Binding and loosing is not a mystical process of of trying to do something. It's the process that we do in our own hearts of what are we going to allow God to do in our lives. See, I, I love when I see how the teachings of Jesus dovetail together. And, and you just see, man, he's saying the same thing over and over and over. He really is saying the same thing over and over and over. In fact, if you think about it, in Mark 4 when he said, here's the mystery. Then he gives four conditions of the heart. And he says the condition of the heart is what determines the degree of the kingdom that's going to be yielded. To the measure you meet, it will be measured back to you. And here's how it works. It's like a farmer, casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how it happens, but it happens. It's on that other than conscious level. It's on that kind of a subconscious heart level, really, that binding and loosing really takes place. Binding and loosing is the process of us allowing or disallowing what's already true in heaven into our lives. If it's true in heaven, then we should speak it here so that this world begins to line up and act accordingly. If it's not true in heaven, we should forbid it here with our words. But I'm not talking about confessing it hard enough, loud enough, trying to get God to make it happen. No, he's given us that authority. It's up to us. Are we going to take that responsibility? And so binding and loosing kind of happens on this deeper spiritual level within your heart. You don't, you don't even really know you're doing it. It's the junk that we put in our minds and our eyes and our bodies and we let into our lives and the voices that we listen to speak to us and the ones that we tune into. Those are the ones that are affecting our hearts. Those are the things that are affecting the condition of our heart. And that is binding and loosing. You're binding and loosing every minute, every day. What are you listening to? What are you looking at? You know, I'm not, this is not, this is not, don't be watching those R-rated movies. You know, I mean, that's up to you. That's, that's your path. But I just want to get you to a place where you take responsibility over the condition of your heart. Because it has everything to do with what God wants to do through you. That's already true. So that he would be glorified. Right? That's the point. God, you get all the glory. The the more I trust you, the more I keep my heart open to you, 
the more generous I become, the more effective at operating in the gifts that you are working through me I become, the more loving I become, the more patient I become. That's all a direct result of the influence of God in my life, and He gets the glory, right? But what we do is we look for those keys. I am impatient. I need a key. You, do you see that? I mean, seriously. I lack. Let me go find the key. Then I'll unlock the mystical secret. Now, God is, you know, I'm not saying we can know the depths of God. There are things out there that I think if we knew the reality of God in its fullness, our brain would explode, you know. So I'm not trying to disqualify people who have mystical experiences and, you know, all that stuff, that, that's fine. But, you know, that's just not where I'm, that's not my focus. My focus is I want you to experience everything that God has for you. And I want you to understand it's so much easier than you think. And it's not about you going and trying to figure and unlearn and understand and find the keys. It's about, it's already in you. It's working in you. Let it happen. Jesus is in our spirits. Are we going to let him in our hearts? Christ dwelt... Christ is bound to your spirit. It looks just like Jesus. It, it, it is, uh, it's in the same condition as Jesus is. But your heart is not. Part of it is, part of it isn't. You know, I, it's hard to define that stuff, right? But we look at the biblical application of what the heart is, and it's where we believe from. And if all things are possible to him who believes, but we are not experiencing all things as possible in our lives, and it's with the heart that we believe, then maybe we need to look at the heart. And it just so happens that Jesus says the most important parable that he gives is all about the condition of the heart. So, he says, here's the mystery of the kingdom, the condition of your heart. Once you understand that, that God's not withholding from you and that's the part about the lampstand. All things will be revealed. God wants to reveal everything. It is His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not in pieces, but everything. It's like electricity. You just have to tap into it. You have to just let it work, right? So, then you think about, He said, how will you understand all my parables if you don't understand this parable? So something that I do, and it's not always applicable, but when I'm reading and I'm studying, I, I will do this. I will, if I come across one of his parables, I will try to see how it relates to the sower sows the word principle and, and see if they dovetail together. If they do, then you can gain more understanding of what he's trying to say. So specifically in sower sows the word, which is the four conditions of the heart, he's talking about the kingdom. And how much of the kingdom you're going to experience. And then over here in, um, I forget where it is. Um, there's a train of thought going around and I will, <laughs> I will catch it when it comes back around. Oh, the keys to the kingdom, right? So the keys to the kingdom, he gives you the keys to the kingdom and you have the authority to bind and loose. Kingdom is also found in Mark 4 as related to the heart. So maybe the binding and loosing process is also related to the heart. 
Now, I, I'm not just trying to make it where all of Christianity now is, let's understand the heart. Let's make this thing work. Because really, whether you know about it or not, you know, whether, whether you learn the information of what the Bible calls the heart and how it works, you're engaged in the process of whether or not you're letting God work in your life. It is on a heart level, but whether or not you know that doesn't really matter. What it all comes down to is, you know, say it with me, trust God. Look at what you can't see. Do you see, do you see it? Does that give you hope? Does it, does it, um, does it feel heavy? Some people, some people, some people. <laughs> some people. You know, I don't know. I know what it does for me. It's like, okay, I can't give up, right? I can't give up. I can't go in neutral. I can't just wake up and be satisfied knowing that God loves me. It starts there, but what am I going to do with that? Am I going to plug in to that dimension of heaven and, and, and let him work in my life. See, it's such a paradox, right? You labor to enter into the rest. The laboring that we do is the believing. The laboring that we do is the engaging. It's, it's, the, it's that romantic. It's that, you know, letting ourselves fall in love with him. Love is a choice, you know. We choose to let ourselves fall in love or not. It doesn't just happen. You don't just trip and fall in love. It's the same thing. You don't just trip and fall into God working in your life. It's very intentional, but there's nothing you can do to make him do it more. And I don't think you can understand the truth fully until you understand both sides of the paradox. Right? You have to know that it's not about what you do, but if you're not engaging him, you're going to limit what he can do.